I want to talk to you this morning from the subject of preparing how to steward the harvest. Because it's one thing to get a harvest, but you need to know how to steward it. Because there's a difference, a huge difference in asset management and financial stewardship. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning because I don't want you to, to have this harvest come in and then you don't even know what to do with it. You don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do with it to make it prosper because the truth of the matter is God is a God who teaches thee how to profit. Yes, he does. And so when she started talking this morning about the things that God had put on my heart to share with you, we hadn't talked about it. I mean, I, she, she was here last week when I preached the message and we talked a little bit about that message afterwards, but she didn't know what I was going to talk about this morning. But what I'm going to talk about this morning goes directly in line to what she was saying. And I'm saying to you that if you go to Fellowship of Champions, sometimes you have to not want to be entertained and you have to want to be taught. Because, because information is good, but wisdom is the correct application of that information. And in 2020, when that harvest comes in, you're going to need some correct application. Amen? So let's give the Lord a big round of applause as you take your seat. We're going to dismiss our children. Uh, teens, the teens, teens, you're going to be in here today. Teens, you're going to be in here. So if you're the teen, in the teen group, you're going to be in here today. Uh, Said, I believe you have our uh, three to six group. Thank you. Hillary has the seven to ten. And uh, Miss April and, and Miss Carrie already have our kids in the nursery over there. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, let's go ahead and do this. I want you to, to do this. Whenever I start talking like I'm going to talk today, I like to do this. So uh, you don't have to stand up or anything. But if you got your Bible with you or your phone with you or whatever you have, um, let's make this confession. Say, this is my Bible. Say, I am what it says I am. Say, I can do what it says I can do. And I will have everything it says I can have. Say, today, I'm going to be taught the unchanging word of God. Say, and I declare, I'll become exactly what that word says I am. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just jump right into this. So let's talk about a little bit about uh, last week. Last week, I, we started off with two scriptures, Jeremiah 17, uh, 5 through 10. I won't read all of that, but I want to paraphrase it for you. In essence, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 through 10 says this. It says that if you make the decision and you have to make a decision, and you will either make the decision to trust God or trust in your own abilities. He says, if you trust in your own abilities, the outcome is guaranteed failure. He said, you're going to fail because when I'm trying to help you, you won't even recognize that I'm trying to help you. He says, when good things come, you won't even recognize them as good. You won't see them as something that can help you or something that can prosper you. He said, but if you will put your trust in me, he says, then even when trouble comes and situations arise that you don't know how to handle, he said, you will find yourself prospering. He said, in fact, it'll be like you're in the middle of a desert, but you'll be just like a palm tree planted in the desert and your roots will stretch out by rivers of living water. He said, I will be your supply in every situation if you choose to trust in me. And so we talked about this last week that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how smart we are. It doesn't matter how much education we have. It doesn't matter how, how deep our networks go. It doesn't even matter how much money we temporarily have. At the end of the day, if we try to trust in ourselves, we will come up on the short end of the stick. Amen? 
And then we said, but if we trust in God, then no matter what we lack in education, no matter what we lack in our network, no matter what we lack in our understanding of a subject, God is well able to assist us in any endeavor and cause us to come out ahead. Amen. And then we looked at Isaiah 48 and 17. In Isaiah 48 and 17, we read the scripture that says, Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer. Say, the Lord, the Lord is my Redeemer. And how many of you know there are some things that you need God to redeem for, to redeem for you? See, I, I think about this word redeem. Um, how many of you know that there are, there are companies all over the world and they send out coupons all the time, right? How many of you know those coupons are no good unless you redeem them? That literally you can go, you can have a 75% off coupon, but you can still pay full price for something if you don't use the coupon. The Redeemer, God as our Redeemer, what he does for us is he goes and gets back what used to be ours, but someone took from us. And the Bible tells us that God as our Redeemer is the one who's going to teach us how to profit. That word profit means how to get ahead, how to advance, how to come out on top. And we started reading that last week, and I was saying to you that it is the will of God for us to prosper. Say that. Say, it is the will of God for me to prosper. Chris had us singing a song this morning saying victory belongs to us, right? Victory is mine. Victory is a form of profiting, amen? When you, when, you, when, you, when you walk in victory, you literally walk in this new level of winning. And, and I, the name of our church is Fellowship of Champions, not Fellowship of Losers. We believe that winning ought to be the, the, the portion of everybody's life. Amen. And so last week I gave you four things that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to share with you. I shared four points and I just want to refresh your memory in those as we go into today's teaching. Number one, I said that God is looking for ways to promote his people. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. God is looking for ways to promote his people. Number two, we said that no matter your current situation, God can still turn things around. In other words, it is never too late. No matter what situation you find yourself in, God can turn that situation around. Number three, we said that no curse is bigger than God's blessing. No matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, if God wants to bless you and you want God to bless you, there is no curse that can stop it. Amen. And then number four, we said that God lifts, up, lifts us up and causes our influence to be expanded. And that's the one we kind of stuck our hat in on last week, because I believe that in 2020, God wants to expand your influence. Amen. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, how do we prepare for this season of harvest? How do we get ready to receive what it is that God has for us? Now, we can all say that we trust God in every area of our lives. But the truth of the matter is, until we learn to truly trust God with our money and where our money is concerned, we will always struggle financially. And I know a lot of times when you start to talk about money in church, people get uncomfortable. Uh, people aren't sure about your motives. But I speak like the Apostle Paul. I don't desire a gift from you. I desire a gift for you. If this teaching is designed not to get you to give to me, it's designed to let you allow God to give to you. No matter what you may have been previously taught, and we've all been taught different things about money and about how we should handle money and about how we keep money and church separate and all of those things, but make no mistake about it. It is not, and hear me when I say this, the will of God for any of his children to suffer and to live in a state of financial lack 
or a state of insufficiency in any area, and that includes our finances. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. It, is not it is not the will of God, will of God for, his for his children to live in lack. How many of you would have all the money you could ever need and wouldn't give what your kids need to them? And the Bible says if you and I being earthly fathers would be that good, then how much more is our heavenly father better than that? And so you have to, you have to, de you have to demantle this idea that somehow lack and insufficiency is somehow honor. Religion has taught us that, 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 that not having enough somehow honors God. But having more than enough is actually the principles in the kingdom of God. If you, if you just start to look in the, in the natural, and we talked about this before, but if you think about the number of eggs a woman has and releases over the course of her life, that's way more eggs than any woman would ever want to have a baby for. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all are like, uh-huh. But, but so, so the question becomes, why did God give a woman so many eggs to be released? The Bible says that literally when a man and woman comes together and they're trying to make a baby, that literally at that one moment, there are millions of sperm released, but only one makes it, maybe. Everything God does, God does in abundance. God didn't just put one tree in the earth. God didn't just make... God could have just gave somebody the idea to make a car, and it could have just been that one car. And everybody would have had the same kind of car. We'd still be riding around that Model T. But God is a God of abundance. Everything God does is big. Tell your neighbor, say, everything God does, everything God does is, big. is big. So then why, when he does something in your life, do you think it has to be small? So if God's going to do something in your life, guess what? It's going to be big. If things are happening in your life and they're small, you have to ask yourself, am I doing this or is God doing this? Because everything God does is it's big. It's big. Think about this. God created the garden. And the Bible says he placed Adam and Eve in the garden. Now watch this. Unless I misread it, were there any stores in the garden? Was there a Gucci store? Was there a Louis store? Somebody said there was a Louis store. But were there any stores? But yet God put gold there. He put silver there. He put pearls there. What was all that stuff for if they couldn't use it to buy anything? It's because God is a big God and whatever he does, he does extravagantly. So when we start talking about God doing something in your life, I need you to get your mindset that God ain't trying to do something small. Let me insult you for just a moment. God ain't trying to pay your rent. He's trying to buy you a house. He said to them, he said, listen, he said, you're going to have houses that you didn't build. People be like, why, why, you know, and, and, and people don't even understand And Sometimes I think as a church, we miss the very mentality and then the world grabs hold to the mentality. We then envy the world for having the mentality and then talk about people in the church if they get the mentality. Here's the mentality I'm talking about, an abundance mentality. 
People talk about Floyd Mayweather all the time. It's crazy he got all them cars. You know what? It, even with all the cars he got, he ain't got all the cars. Even with all the cars he got, he ain't got them all. And, and, and what's this? You and I could have all the cars that we could ever want to have, and we still wouldn't have. Why? Because everything God does, he does big. So I'm going to say it again. It is not the will of God for us to suffer and live in financial lack. It is not the will of God for us to have any insufficiency in any area. In, in fact, the Bible says he would that we would abound so that we wouldn't have any insufficiency, that we would be, we would be satisfied and fulfilled and abounding in all things at all times. God wants us to have more than enough. Say that. Say, God, God wants, me wants me to have, to have more than enough. And if, and if you feel some kind of way when you say that, you got to work on your thinking because you can never live above your level of thinking. And if you don't, it's, 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 it's this idea that, that, that whatever you can think or dream, you can build it or, or it'll come to you. But if you can't think or see yourself as having abundance, abundance will always evade you. The Bible says this in 3 John chapter 2. In 3 John chapter 2, and I'm going to read it from, from the uh, Amplified Version. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way. How? In every way. He said, I want you to prosper how? In every way. Does, does your finances include every way? Does your marriage include every way? Does your relationships include every way? Does your vocation include every way? He says, I want you to prosper in every way. He says, and I want your body to prosper, and I want you to keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Why? Because it is the will of God for us not to just be well spiritually. It's not. It's not just the will of God for us to be well spiritually. Religion teaches us that. Many people don't even realize this because they haven't taken time to really study the Bible. They just, they just kind of hear what people preach to them. But if you go through and, and, and you do an analysis, you will find that the Bible actually talks more about money and has more to say about the dealing of money more often than any other singular subject, even more than salvation. Why? Because God understands that once he saves you, it's a done deal. Come on. You ain't got to, you know, listen, the Bible says this. You want to be saved? Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart and thou shalt what? Be saved. If you do that, that's great. But you can do that and still be broke. He says, okay, now once you're saved, I got to teach you some other stuff. I got to spend more time from Genesis to Revelation teaching you how to live in this particular realm. Because once you come to my realm, it's all good. But I got to teach you how to live in this realm. And if I don't talk to you enough about this realm, then you're going to get misinformation. It's the same idea that people say all the time about why parents ought to talk to their kids about sex. Why? Because if parents talk to their kids about sex, they can give them what? Correct information. But if you leave that information up to the streets, then you get people to say things like, oh, I didn't think I could get pregnant because we only had sex one time. Well, I didn't think I could get pregnant because it was a Saturday. 
Yeah, see, there's a lot of stupid information out there, but if you leave that up to your kids, now you see how you laugh? The same thing is true where the Bible is concerned. You see how that was funny about Saturday? Well, it's just as funny when you say, well, whatever the Lord will. No, 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 we know what the Lord's will is. It's in his word that, he, that we should prosper, that we should be in hell, and that we should be the head and not the tail. But if you don't read the word, that sounds just as silly to you as that statement about I can't get pregnant because it was a Saturday. Come on. Ten neighbors say you got to read the word. So the Bible talks more about money than it does any other singular subject. Why? Because God knows how important money is for the successful life here in this realm. Now, you don't need money in heaven, but you sure need it here. In fact, go ahead and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, money is important. It absolutely is important. In fact, the Bible says it like this. Money, y'all can finish this, answereth all things. Well, pastor, what does it answer? Your light bill, your car note, your mortgage, your medical bills, college, clothes, food, vacations, planes, cars. Whatever you, whatever you need, money is answering it. Now, now, that's not to say that money is everything. God is everything, but God doesn't need money. But we do in the earth, so he says, since you need it, I'll supply it. And so we have to understand that when we start to talk about money, we talk about it in its proper place. People say, oh, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. That's not what that says. That's like getting pregnant because you that's like not being able to get pregnant because you had sex on a Saturday. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the wrong relationship or the love of money. And, and I say this, I love money, but because the Bible doesn't, if you translate that properly, it says the wrong relationship with it. I love everything that's good for me. So people say, you love money? I sure do. I don't love it more than God, but I love it. Why? Because it answers all things. So, but, but I don't have a wrong relationship with it. I'm not going to violate something God wants me to do for money. Come on, I, I'm, I'm not going to skip steps to get money and, and, and try to go a different path than God has for me. I'm not going to let money cause me to be out of integrity to do something to get money. But I don't despise money. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Well, well, don't say it if you don't mean it, but, but, but I'm going to say it. Money is my friend. Money is my friend. I can't speak for nobody. Money is my friend. I, I likes when me and money hang out. I likes when me and money hang out. We can go places. We can do things. We can see some stuff. We can bless some people. And I, and I don't care. I, I, don't, I, I don't care whether it's George Washington or Ben Franklin. They can all come together. And everybody in between. Hamilton, Jackson, whoever you got. But I don't have a problem with money. The problem is is that people get caught up into this idea that somehow if I focus on money, then I'm not focusing on God. You can multitask about everything else. You can Facebook, Instagram, and drive your car at the same time, but you can't focus on God and money. I ain't say you should. I said what you do. Tell your neighbor, say, I can multitask. That's right. I can focus on the goodness of God and also focus on increasing my revenue. If we want to experience financial breakthrough, then we must change the way we think in this area. 
I know y'all get tired probably sometime of hearing us talk about this, but if you don't change your thinking, you will never change your life. You, 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 just, you, just, you will never rise above your level of thinking. You are today the sum total of your most dominant thoughts. What you have spent 2019 thinking about, that's who you showed up as today. Now, the good news is, if that wasn't good, you can change what you think. You have the power to change what you think and how you think. God, not us, is the source of our wealth and prosperity. And as long as we keep that in perspective, we are fine. We are simply stewards of the resources that God entrusts us with. And watch this. When you become a steward of something, you don't really care how much it is. The goal is still the same, to manage it appropriately. If you became a steward of a person who was a millionaire, your, your outcome is the same if you were the steward of a person who had 10 billion. It is to make sure that those resources are, are, are governed in such a way and used in such a way that the owner is satisfied. We used to say this all the time. I need you we're gonna make this confession today. Say this. Say, say God owns everything. God owns everything. I own nothing. I own nothing. But I am, but I am. Steward, steward over a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I am a steward. What does it mean to steward? It means to look after. It means to care for. I am a steward of, of oh, yeah, okay, I hear that. Say, say I, am I am a steward, a steward. over billions. I got ready to say that to y'all, and that gave me a chill bump. I heard the Holy Spirit say that. We are, we are stewards of millions and billions. That's who we are. Because it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to our Father, but we get to steward it. And because we get to steward it, that means that, that we get to, to make decisions about it and, and, and do things with it. But at the end of the day, when the Father says do this with it, we do it because it's not really ours, we're just stewards. God entrusts us, and make no mistake, the way in which you deal with what you have will determine how much more you get entrusted with. It is true. In every situation, I give you a natural example. You give your kids a curfew. And at first, that curfew starts off at 9.30. They got to be home at 9.30. If they do well with that curfew at 9.30, they ain't get in no trouble when they're out there at 9.30, and they call you, they say, hey, you know, is it possible this weekend I can stay out to 10? You're going to evaluate whether or not they can stay out to 10 o'clock based on how they handle 9.30. It's a fact. You done broke, you're supposed to be home at 9.30 in the last five times you ain't showed up to 10.15? Oh, you ain't even going out this weekend. Ah. And then if they start to do well enough and, and then they get older and they get their license and you know, you're kind of concerned, you're like, hey, you need to be home by 11. You know, they get older and they, but, but, but the whole time they're being consistent at 9.30, consistent at 10, consistent at 11. Their senior year, they driving, they ain't had no infractions. They, they, they've been speeding, they've been home, they've done everything they're supposed to do, and they begin to ask, hey, is it okay if I, if, if we, you know, they got a, they got a, a party after the, after the, a get-together after the game, can, I, can we go, can I go there, can I be home at midnight? you like, now, hold on now. But you've been so consistent at 9.30. You were so diligent at 10, and I never had a problem at 11. More than likely, you're going to give them a chance at 12. 
Have you been diligent at 40,000? Oh, you was diligent when you got that first 40. You was praising him. You was tithing. You was giving. He promoted you and you got to 60. You got to 60 and you went and got your boat. And at least one Sunday a month, you just had to take the boat out. And then, and then you, you, you but, but you kept doing some stuff that was pretty good. And because God's good, you, you went from 60 to 80. And, 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 and now you're 80, and, and now you took the boat out on Saturday and, and, and Sunday. And, and you got some friends in church, and they wanted to go with you, so you took them with you too. And, 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 and God ain't a God who just wipes it all out, so you get promoted to six figures. And the more he does, the less diligent you become. And what we like to tell people is that that doesn't matter. It doesn't work that way. But it does work that way. The Bible tells us you can look in the natural and see how things work in the spiritual realm. And if in the natural realm you break consequences, there are consequences. Well, so it is in the spiritual realm. And so now you wonder, you know, you live in a high life. You ain't been to church in two months. You get that pink slip. Oh, now you you know you knocking on the door on a Tuesday evening. No, ain't nobody here. <laughs> can pastor? Can you pray? Can you pray? I need to, you 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 on prayer. We can't even get other words in. Talking about pray for me. I need a job. You're like, okay, we got you. No, I need a job now. You just texting away. But we ain't seen you in months. But now you want to run back to God when things go bad. Be consistent. Yes. If you what's the saying? If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. If you stay with God, you ain't got to run to God. Yes. You ain't got to be running to him if you'll stay with him. And so it's important. And we, we see this, we see this played out in Luke 16, 10. Luke 16, 10 and 12. Look at this. I think they got that up there. Luke 16, 10 and 12 in the King James Version. It says, he who is faithful in what? A very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing will also be dishonest and unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful, watch this, in the case of unrighteous mammon, he said, you can't be faithful where money is concerned. And one translation say deceitful riches, money and possessions. Who's going to entrust to you true riches? And if you have not proved faithful in that which belongs to another, whether it be God or man, who is going to give you that which is your own? That is true riches. Some of you are asking God to have influence and to have anointing and all of these things. And he's literally saying, if I can't trust you with money, how can I trust you with the anointing? How can I trust you to give prophetic words to people when you're supposed to? And I can't even trust you to give $20 when I tell you. He said, you want something true, but you won't even deal righteously with the unrighteous thing. He says, money is just a tool. If I can't get you to do right with this, how can I ever expect you to handle this? How many of you would let your kids drive a car if they have not demonstrated they could even drive a Hot Wheel first? You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. And most of you, I hope you, I hope you don't do this. Just because they passed your driver's test don't mean you just put them out there on the road by themselves. 
You like, you passed that little written part, but we finna go driving first. I'm not finna give you a 3,000 pound vehicle for you to go out here and hurt yourself or somebody else. I gotta see if you're gonna be faithful over this before I can hit you, determine if you're gonna be faithful over this. Well, the same thing is true in the kingdom. I wanna read this out of the Passion Translation though. Listen to this. It says, the one who manages the little that he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibility. He said, but those who cheat with the little that they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive anymore. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And if you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be giving wealth of your own? Why should God be? Don't, don't be talking. About, I'm telling you because I love you. But don't be talking about no agreement, alignment and advancement when you're not doing the basic thing God tells us to do. where increasing our revenue is concerned. And people, people don't like to hear it, but it's true. You, if, how dumb is it to go and talk to someone who's made a million dollars? They tell you how, what they did, and you go, ah, I ain't got to do that. <laughs> but people do it all the time. They literally go to an expert and say, tell me how you did this. The expert said, I did this, 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 and this. And they're like, ah, I ain't got to do it that way. Then why did you even ask? I know God don't do that, but I, I, I just, I just, I, I, something in me just say, I, he got to sometimes think. <laughs> why you even come ask me? He did kind of say that. He said, why call me Lord, Lord, if you don't, if you don't do what I say? Now, that was his nice version, but I'm sure he got a little more agitated than that. He said, why do you call me Lord? What? Capital L, not small. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then you do not do what I say? It's almost like don't call me mom and daddy when you want something, but then, I, but then you can't, you can't, you can't, you, I ain't your mom and daddy when you, when you want to do what you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> Take your neighbor say, neighbor. Don't call him Lord if you ain't going to do what he say. Come on now, saints. The world teaches us that we have to make our own fortunes in life. And to some degree, that is true. But, it is, but, it's, but it's, it's not true when it's void of God. You and I have a part to play. I am not telling you that you can just believe God for increase. Do nothing and increase going to come. That's a violation of spiritual law. The Bible even says, it says you're supposed to give and work. Give and. Give and work. He says because you don't know which one in this endeavor is going to cause you to prosper. See, sometimes your work makes you prosper. Sometimes your giving makes you prosper. Sometimes both of them make you prosper. But you ain't smart enough to know in which endeavor it's going to happen. And so be consistent in both. Be consistent in your giving and be consistent in your working. He says, because you don't know which endeavor is going to make this thing work. But most people are trying to figure out which one's going to work. And then you're upset because you do one. But it was really the other one that was going to cause you to prosper. The world also teaches us that we must hold on tight to our money or risk losing everything. But this is unscriptural. 
There is, there is nothing scriptural about holding on to money. Money is a tool, and that tool is supposed to be used. And if you don't use that tool effectively, then it's no good. It's, it's, it's no better. It's no better than having a, a, uh, a garden hole in your shed and your garden being full of weeds. You got a tool, but what you doing with it? When you hold on to resources that God has told you to do something specific with, I ain't even just talking about giving to the church. He may tell you to invest it. He may tell you to save it. He may tell you to use it to bless somebody else with. But if you just hold on to it, you're basically like the farmer who's got the, 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 the garden hole in his shed and his, and his garden's full of weeds. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to learn to use the tool appropriately. The word of God teaches us that all good things come from God. All good things come from God. Money is a good thing. And since money is a good thing, it comes from God as well. God has a system designed to increase our money and cause us to profit at the same time. Let's look at Psalms 84 and 11. Psalms 84 and 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Watch this. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk upright. Say, money, money. is a good thing. So yes, God will give us healing. Yes, God will give us re renewed relationships. But God ain't got no issue giving us money either. Amen. And, 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 and I, I don't like the idea. You know, you got so many people out there now trying to, to, to downgrade and, and, and talk about the prosperity gospel. Let me help you. The word gospel means good news. Literally translated, it means too good to be true good news. That the gospel is literally too good to be true. So if I tell you God wants to heal you and you ain't got to work for it, that's too good to be true. Now people love that. Well, why not say God wants you to be rich? God wants to take you from poverty and make you wealthy. That is literally news that is too good. But I receive it. So don't you let people tell you, don't let people make you feel bad when they say, oh, you part of that prosperity ministry. Uh-huh. I sure am. The problem is, is that people have said that prosperity ministry is about us trying to get God to do something. You can't get God to do anything God hadn't already done. Jesus died on the cross, and when he died on the cross, he said two words. He said three words. It is finished. What was finished? Everything he ever wanted to do for us was already done. Everything now is you and I walking into what he's already done for us. We ain't trying to move God. But, but at the same time, you go to work, don't you? Why you go to work? To get what's yours. Don't go to work next week. See if they give you a check. That first day they may just think, oh my gosh, something must have happened. You've been so faithful. Somebody called Jennifer on the phone. Something's happened. That first day they're going to try frantically to get Jennifer on the phone. The second day, depending on her relationship at work, our supervisor may go to her house and go, we're concerned. We're worried. But if they knock on that door and she say, hello, they say, Jennifer, what's wrong? Nothing. 
Well, well, you didn't show up at work yesterday. We, we thought something was wrong. No, nothing was wrong. Well, 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 well did, did something Because people can't believe it. Well, well did something happen? Uh, is your family okay? Uh-huh. Well, what are you doing? Catching up on these Netflix series? <laughs> really? Yeah. You want to come in and watch? They're going to be like, so, Jennifer, we talked about it. And, and uh, <laughs> we decided. <laughs> yeah. 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 Why? Because we all have something to play in the part. So it's the same thing. God will give you a plan and a strategy, but you got to do some work. You got it. And the work is doing the work. Don't get it wrong. The work is not doing something hard. It's doing what God's instructed. It's doing what God has instructed you to do. That's the work you have to do. What we think determines what happens or does not happen in our lives. It has always been that way, and it always will be. That's why the Bible, again, said in John 3, 1 and 2, Beloved, above all things, I would that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. This word prosperity is not a new word. It literally means being successful in every endeavor of life. Prosperity is not just about money, but come on, y'all, it includes money. It includes money. This includes uh, prosperity in our health, in our families, in our marriages, and in our finances. This is the year to harvest in every single one of those areas. If there's any area in your life that has been lacking, any area you've been praying about, any area you've been sowing seed about, 2020 is your year. And I ain't talking about December either. I'm talking January. January is your year to harvest, to harvest in all of those areas. Religion has propagated the lie that God wants us to be successful only in spiritual things. And that's just not true. God doesn't just want you to be deep and broke. God doesn't want you to just be spiritually deep and broke at the same time. That's not the will of God. Understand this. It is why people get an an uneasy feeling when you start to say things like, God wants me rich. When you say things like, I'm walking into my wealthy place. When you start to say things like, I'm debt free. When you start to say things, I owe no man anything but to love him. People people get irritated by that. Uh, 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 And and if you really want to make folk mad, say it around somebody who actually know your situation. They get real mad then. What you talking about? You, You out of debt. You got that house, don't you? You got them cars, don't you? Yeah, but that stuff ain't got nothing to do with what God said about me. I'm saying what God said about me so that what I say becomes a reality in my life. It's already a reality in the kingdom. I'm trying to get this, I'm trying to get myself caught up with the kingdom. Say, I am am everything everything God says I am. Now, you know this, our souls and our spirits are already prosperous and blessed in God. He wants those blessings to also be manifested in our financial lives, though. Now, you already know this because we've taught this many times before, but it's worth saying once again. The soul and the spirit are not interchangeable. We are spirits living in physical bodies. And the soul, our soul is our thinker. It's our filler. It's the thing that that causes us to choose right or wrong. It's composed of our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, and our intellect. Our success in any area of our lives is based on our soul success. 
So the reason that we spend so much time here at Fellowship of Champions talking to you about your soul is because we understand that your soul is a determining factor. It's like a drawbridge between you and what God has for you. And if we can get your soul prosperous, it will let down the drawbridge and everything God has for you will be brought across. But, you, but we we got we got to get your soul in the right place. Why? we got to get your thinking in the right place. And it's not an easy thing to do because many of us have had so much wrong teaching and wrong thinking and experienced what we saw that was wrong that even though we think we're thinking right, subconsciously we're not always thinking right. Have you ever done something and then afterwards thought, man, why did I do that? But you did it automatically? You did it automatically because that was in your subconscious. It's the thing that you do when all of your thinking and reasoning has left you. And what we're trying to do is to get what happens to you when all your thinking and reasoning leaves you is that you do and say what God would say or do. So we keep talking to you about your soul. It's what God tells us in Romans 12 and 2 when he says we got to be what? Renewed in our minds. When he talks about that, he's referencing to the impact that we must that must take place in the soul realm. If we want to receive this harvest that God has promised us, and I believe that it's for us in 2020, our thinking about harvest has to change. You got to start expecting it. Yes. It's got to be almost like when you get a new car and everywhere you go, you see that same new car. You know, you buy a white Ford. Now you can't go nowhere without seeing a white Ford. Or, or you or, or whatever kind of car you buy or, or have you, you ever bought something you thought I mean you knew it wasn't custom right you knew it wasn't because you bought it from the store it's not a custom store but but you bought it but you had never seen anybody else wearing it and then you show up and everybody got it on they didn't go buy that after you you became aware of it abundance is already there. Selah. You just got to become aware of it. And once you become aware of it, you start seeing abundance everywhere. Just like you start seeing them red shoes that you bought that you thought was so special. Now everybody got them. you like, <laughs> now you don't even wear your red shoes no more. But they weren't custom. They were there. You just became aware of them. Understand something. Proverbs 23 and 7 says this. He says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Therefore, if our heart has wrong thinking, our lives will be lived wrong. Because everything in our lives comes from our heart. Proverbs 4, 23 in the King James says this. He says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it flows the issues of your life. So when we start talking to you about guarding what goes into your heart, in your heart, I'm talking about into your soul, into your thinker, you have to be careful that even in this season, you're careful that you don't, you know, I had a great 2019. I don't know about, any, I don't know about anybody else. But it was so interesting at the end of 2019, I saw so many people talk about how bad 2019 was. And maybe it was bad for them. But then I saw Misty's post. And I thought if anybody could have said 2019 was jacked up and sucked, it could have been Misty. But guess what? Misty's post didn't say that. Misty was like, yo, I had a great 2019. Even though I went through this, this is what God taught me in 2019. It's going to make me stronger for 2020. It's all about your perspective. 
It's all about what you declare and what you say about it. So I'm telling you right now, before we get going good, 2020 is going to be the best year of my life so far. It's going to be the best year of my life so far. And I'm going to guard my heart, and I ain't going to let all them crazy memes talk about how bad the year is get into my heart. I'm not even going to let my friends talk to me about how bad things are going. I'm going to tell them if it's going that bad, you need to come over here where we are because we make the determination about what our life looks like, and we ain't saying it's bad. So you got to begin to, 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 to get that into your life. In Proverbs 4.23 in the Passion Translation, I love it. It says this. I think they can get that one up there. It says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart. Why? For they do what? Affect all that you are. They, they don't just affect what you do. They affect who you are. You know, when, when people say, man, it seems like you changed. Well, they don't really talk about you don't got taller or shorter. They ain't talking about you got hair or you don't have hair. They ain't talking about you fat or skinny. What they're saying is the, 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 the inner part of you is different. Pashan told us this morning that we were moving forward. So if you're moving forward, you ought to change. You ought to be different, but it ought to be for the better, not for the worse. He says, so above all things, above everything else, he says, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. He says, pay attention to how well you're doing inside. Pay attention to your soul. Do you find yourself getting sad multiple times of the day? Do you find yourself feeling things of anxiety? Do you find yourself feeling like you ain't gonna make it? Do you, do you, ha do you have that little thought that says, man, this ain't never gonna work out? He says, pay attention to the welfare of your insides. He says, why? Because from there is going to flow everything that you get to see in your life. So if your mentality is, oh, this ain't never going to work out for me, guess what's going to work out inside of your life? Nothing. Stop saying stuff like every time I get paid, I'm broke. Because you know what's going to happen every time you get paid? I'm going to be broke. Why? Because whatever is in you is going to flow out of you. I use this example sometimes, and I never mean it to be disrespectful, but it's funny, and I think you'll get the point. It's why unattractive people can always find somebody if they think they're attractive. Come on. <laughs> Come on. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, tell, I mean, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but I'm telling you, you can take people who generally most people don't think are attractive, and you'd be like, how did he get her? <laughs> people say it about Jay-Z. Let's just be honest. <laughs> They singing about Jay-Z, but, but they, how, how did Jay-Z get Beyonce? He thought something about himself that y'all didn't see. He like, Jay-Z got big lips, but they kissed Beyonce. You got to understand, it's what's inside of you that causes other people to see you as you see yourself. It's also why you take a person who's extremely attractive and you go, why would they let anybody treat them like that? Why in the world would she let that dude treat her like that? She's beautiful. She don't know it. She don't know it. And so she behaves and she acts outwardly like she feels inside. So it's because she doesn't feel pretty. She doesn't feel worthy. She doesn't feel anything. She lets somebody treat her like trash. And then you're like, well, that girl over there 
I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, because sis over there, no matter what you may think, she got a different thought about her. Yeah. Come on. And I'm, tell, I'm challenging you to get a different thought about you. Yeah. And if you get a different thought about you, then whatever's in your heart begins to flow out. Understand, we got to get consistent. We got to start asking ourselves every day, what are we thinking about and how are we thinking about it? What are we thinking about? And not, I don't, the why is important, but I don't think it's as important. What am I thinking about and how am I thinking about it? I started asking my question, because I'll be honest with you, I think about money a lot. I do, I think about money. I think about money because if you have an abundance of money, it's so much stuff you can do for other people and yourself. Mm -hmm. I have to always include that because I'm going to, will my manifestation really show up? You know. Yeah. Uh, on that little gravel park, I'm going to drive my Bentley. Amen. On that little, we going to drive on the gravel? Uh-huh. Exactly. You, you, you got to understand that, that literally you got to get to this place where you say, okay, why do I think, what am I thinking about? And then how do I think about it? Am I thinking about this thing in a negative way? What does, what's the result of how I think? How does it impact me? When I think about my kids, what am I thinking about? How am I thinking about it? When I think about my spouse, what am I thinking about it? How am I thinking about it? When I think about my job, what am I thinking about and how am I thinking about my job? Am I thinking about my job that I'm blessed to have it because it's providing for me or I'm going, oh my God, I hate this job so much. And if you hate the job so much, then the question becomes, what are you doing about it? What are you, are you just hating it or are you hating it and allowing it to motivate you to find something else? The same thing is true. You know, I talk to people, Pastor and I, one of the things, I don't mind doing it for people in our church, but one of the things that Pastor and I have both agreed on is that one of the most difficult and draining things to do is to do marriage counseling. Especially when you do marriage counseling with two people who really in their heart have decided they don't want to be together, they just waiting on somebody else to say it first. And so people ask us all the time, well, you're not going to tell us to stay together? No, y'all toxic. You should run that way, and you should run that way, start over, and hopefully get it right next time. Why? Because why would you stay in a situation that drains your very being every single moment of the day? Just free yourself. People say, but, but y'all said y'all had a bad man. We did, but we wanted to be together. Do you understand the difference? I didn't want her to go. I just want her to stop being her. <laughs> but I didn't want her to go. <laughs> and she didn't want me to go, but she wanted me to stop being me. And so we just <laughs> and, so, and so we just we, and so we worked on it. But listen, if you if you don't want to do it God's way, just say you don't want to do it God's way then. But why keep coming to church and keep trying to do it God's way when you resent it the whole time? It's not going to prosper you. It's not going to prosper you. You'd be better off running that way and trying it on your own. People say, oh my God, I can't believe that you would say that. Why would not? That is the honest truth. We, you come here and we tell you the way that we do it. If that way irritates you and bothers you and you don't ever want to do it and you're going to fight the whole way, man, just go on in. 
And when you get out there and everything fall apart and you don't know what you're going to do and now you don't know who loves you, you don't know, then come back. That, that door will swing both ways. It'll be open. But you don't have to be in here and be miserable. Free yourself. So you got to make a decision. Am I going to do this things God's way? Am I going to do it the way God wants me to do it? We got to ask ourselves, what am I thinking about it? How am I thinking about it? When we focus on something, we strengthen it. Anytime you focus on something, it gets strengthened in your life. Negative or positive, when you think about something, it gets strengthened in your life. So if we are spending all of our time focusing on our problems, guess what we're actually doing? Strengthening our problems. We're strengthening our problems. You know, back in the summer, several of us decided, okay, we didn't have enough fun with all this food. Amen. <laughs> so we, we need to do something because we done done too much. And so part of undoing the too much was to get focused. Now, before when I was doing too much, I was focused because I would, at breakfast, I was trying to decide what I was going to have for lunch. And before I could even consume the lunch, I was thinking about the dessert I was going to have in between dinner. And then I was thinking, ooh, whatever I have for dinner, I need to get a big one so I can have a little bit in the morning before breakfast. I was focused. I was focused. I was focused on food, man. I, I, I mean, I was, I was eating dessert. I was like, oh, let me try that. Let me try this. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm unfortunate in some cases when I get to travel, you know, I, I get to expense, you know, my food and stuff, and they give you a per diem, you know, and it's me, you know, and we're pretty generous at my organization with our per diems, and I eat all of it. I mean, you get, you get, we were getting $20 for breakfast, $35 for lunch, and $50 for dinner. I ate all of it. It's like that Dexter me. All of it. <laughs> I ate all of it. Pastor, I would come home and she'd be like, babe, what? What? She's like, nothing. I'm like, what? Just eat, focus, focus. Well, in order to get, to get rid of some of that, I had to have the same kind of focus in the opposite direction. So I started weighing myself three times a day. Pastor Young said, I can't do that. I said, listen, I got to do it. I weigh myself in the morning. I weigh myself midday, and I weigh myself at night. I'm just focused, just focus, just focus, 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 focus. And when you get focused, you start to get results. When I was focused on eating a whole lot, I got all the results of eating a lot. Amen. I got all of them. And then when I started to focus on not eating so much and doing the right things, I started to lose some of the weight. Well, the same thing is true in your life. If you spend all your time focused on your problems, you're just strengthening them. You're not thinking about your problems. It's not solving them. Just because you're thinking about your problem, and some of you are living in what I call dread. You live in this, 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 this state of dread. What do I mean? I mean, you, you got something that's, that's got to take place on the 25th of January. You've been thinking about it every day since the first. And every day you're just dreading it and dreading it and dreading it. Rather than going, okay, wait a minute. Lord, give me a solution for the 25th. 
Lord, give me a solution for the 25th. Because God can give you a solution, and then in other days you can enjoy it. But you got to get to the place. Now, the truth of the matter is, some of you have conditioned your body to like the feeling of worrying about your problems. I'm not trying to be rude to anybody, but you literally have become addicted to worrying. And because you become addicted to worrying, the thought of not worrying worries you. <laughs> the thought of not worrying worries you. You're like, but if I don't have this to worry about, what am I going to do? Hopefully enjoy your life. So we got to make sure that we are doing those things that are necessary that works on, on how we're thinking. All right, let me, let me, let me skip to this. We'll talk about, I want to talk about asset management real quick. All right, let's look at Psalm 16 and 11. We'll, we'll finish up here. Psalm 16 11. Psalm 16 11 says this. It says, Thou wilt show me what? The path of what? It says, it, y'all, can y'all read? Let's read it again. What does it say? Thou will what? Because why? Is what? At what? There are what? How long? Forevermore. God is not just the God of visions. He's also the God of provision. He is not just the God of visions. He's also the God of provision. The same God that will give you a dream is the same God that will finance that dream. The same God, the same God who will give you a vision about the house will finance the house. The same God that will give you a vision about the marriage will give you all the tools and resources needed to make sure that that marriage is prosperous and strong. He's not just the God of visions. He's also the God of provision. God's rules concerning money are not the same as Wall Street's rules. Now, our understanding of Wall Street will not give us an understanding of the kingdom of God. The truth of the matter is that you actually need both of those understandings. But if you can only have one, you better understand how the kingdom of God works if you're going to be in the kingdom. Because only the kingdom is the kingdom that's never suffered from a recession. It is the only kingdom that's never suffered suffered from a recession. I told y'all two, three weeks ago, I said, watch, gas prices are going to go up. Then what happened? Our president kill someone in another country and, and what happened two days later gas prices started going up they're going to keep going up they're going to keep going up because two things you need to understand number one it's profitable for everybody who owns oil stock so everybody who owns oil stock is like yeah let's go to war because money's made in war and if you don't understand that, then you're, you're out here being all liberal, and I don't mean it in a bad way, like, no, we shouldn't be going to war. It's always going to be war. Why? Because money is made during war. Now, what we pray for is the safety of anybody who has to be in harm's way. But at the end of the day, you can't be so concerned about that that you now are consumed with it, and the gas prices are going up, eggs, you know, the, the first thing that goes up in food is eggs and milk. Why? Because those things have to be transported. And if they have to be transported, guess what they use to transport it? Either train or car. Or, well, well, you know, an 18-wheeler. Train. They, that's, what, that's what they use. And what do those things use? Fuel. 
And, and here's what you got to know. When theft go up, it don't just come back down. I used, to, I used to hate when my grandmother used to say, we used to buy a snicker bar for a dime. <laughs> we used to get a whole bar. <laughs> well, now you get a mini little snicker bar for $1.35. And you're like, why in the world is this thing $1.35? Because once the price goes up, they don't go back down. They're not into losing profits. So, whether, so, so rather than us being consumed with how much stuff costs, if we're going to think about something and strengthen something, let's, th let's strengthen the idea that we just make more money. Yes. Do we just have more resources? Yeah. Amen? Amen? And so this, uh, this idea around asset management, let me talk about this real quick. Asset management and financial stewardship are two different things. Asset management is basically the management of current assets. Financial stewardship has to do with multiplication of resources that are held in your possession. So when we start talking about asset management, asset management is this idea of, okay, this is what I got, and I got to be able to move these things around and get everything done what I need. The, 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 the way we say it is robbing Peter. That's asset management. I'm, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. I, I got to figure out what I, what I can move, who I can pay late, <laughs> who, 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 how long can I get the, the shutoff notice to extend before they come to actually shut it off so that I can pay somebody so I can get a payday in there somewhere. Financial stewardship says, I have a wealth of resources that I just oversee. And I make wise financial decisions about those. And what God wants for you and I in this season is us to move from this idea of trying to just manage these little assets that we have and to become stewards over all that he has. Because if you can become a steward over all that God has, there's no way you don't have what you need. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to come back and I'm going to walk you through a series of, of, of encounters God had with Abraham, and I'm going to show you how he taught Abraham to be a financial steward. Because literally, if you ever want to find out how to steward something, Abraham is your man to go to. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that. But for today, I just want you to know that you, you, you got to get your mind right to go, hey, I believe, God, that this harvest is coming in. I want to begin to prepare myself to know how to steward this great harvest I'm going to get. Because if you don't know how to steward it, then this harvest can come in and actually do more harm than good. Think about it in these terms. If a farmer didn't know what to expect in his harvest, how would he know how many silos to build? So he could literally go out there and harvest 10 silos worth and only have three silos. What does he do with the other seven silos worth? They spoil. They rot. Birds come get it. Animals come eat it. It's a loss. And I'm saying to you that if you don't start to prepare for what God wants you to, to, to have in this season, you will get it but, it, but you won't be able to keep it. And that's not the will of God. The will of God is not for you to suffer loss. Amen? Amen. Say this. Say, I am, I am ready, ready to receive, to receive 
my harvest in 2020. Well, come on and give the Lord some praise then this morning.